Praise the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Somebody bless the name of the Lord. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Blessed be your name. Praise God. Well, uh, if we could stand together and grab our Bibles, we're going to go to the book of Romans, chapter 13. The book of Romans 13 and verse number 11. A uh, quick programming note. Um, for the month of August, uh, we will be changing the Wednesday night format as we'll be doing tonight from a teaching format and we're going to be preaching uh, on Wednesdays throughout the month of August. So I just wanted to make you aware of that and uh, I will be preaching tonight and uh, I'd like us to uh, be in that vein as we're preparing ourselves for revival. Everyone said revival and uh, that will be our topic tonight and we'll Start our comments on revival from Romans 13 and 11. If you have that, say praise the Lord. I know it's been mentioned already, but let's pray for uh, Pastor French as he preaches in Canada tonight. And throughout the rest of the weekend, he'll be flying back on Saturday. He'll be with us on Sunday. And so keep him in your prayers. These international flights and things like that wear people out. It's exhausting. And so just pray that the Lord would just give him a little extra strength uh, this week as he travels and doing a lot of speaking at night and during the day. Uh, I looked at his itinerary before he left, and they are preaching and teaching the daylights out of him. So they're going to wear him out, and that's good. He's pouring himself out in ministry, but we need to lift him up in prayer. Amen? All right, verse number 11, and that knowing the time... That now, someone said now, now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. I'm preaching from this title tonight. It's really a question. Are you ready for revival? Are you ready? Or I might could have titled it, Are We Collectively Ready for Revival? Now, I know that this is a, a phrase that we, when we hear the question in Pentecost, how many are glad to be Pentecostal tonight? When we hear the question in Pentecost, Are you ready for revival? We usually ask that question as kind of a pump up question where we're uh, energizing one another. Uh, I, I have a pastor friend that whenever they go into revival services, uh, he'll, he'll uh, say, are you ready for revival? And the church will respond back with excitement. And, uh, and I would love to be preaching that message tonight, but I'm actually going to be preaching an introspective and very possibly a convicting message asking us a sincere question. Are we ready? Or revival. 
And so with that in mind, could we put our Bibles down? Could we search our hearts prayerfully? And let's ask the Lord to speak to us tonight. Could we do that? I know it's Wednesday, but could we, could we be sensitive to the Spirit for just a moment? Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that we would approach this very sincere question with honesty, with integrity, Lord. I pray that we would prepare our hearts for your word. I pray that we would prepare our hearts for revival, God. I pray that you would help me as a humble vessel to deliver what you've given me. I pray that our ears would be anointed to receive it. And we ask all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus. I wish the church would just begin to speak the name of Jesus right now for a few moments. Could you just give him praise for a few moments on a Wednesday night? We love you, Lord. We glorify you, God. We lift you up in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for standing, for worshiping. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Are you ready for revival? That's the question we're examining tonight. And you may be saying, of course, we want revival. But I'm not asking if we want revival. I know the majority of this church wants revival. And by revival, I mean that most of us want to see people saved and we want to see lives changed. But I'm literally asking the question, are you ready for revival? And that's a very different question than do we want revival. Wanting something and being ready for something are two very different things. I think that sometimes we approach revival as if it's something that God is unwilling or unable to give. We don't mean to view it this way, but it gradually becomes our default setting as seasons change, as disappointments come, as life throws us its curveballs. We eventually begin to think of revival as something that's difficult to obtain, elusive, and just always out of our grasp. God is not willing that any, someone said any, should perish. God loves sinners more than we love sinners. God loves our families more than even we love our families. God is the Lord of the harvest. That means that God is invested. God is working. God is preparing the ground and laying the framework. God is dealing with people right now and working on their hearts. When a church fails to grow, it's never God's fault. If a church fails to grow and invest in revival, it is always because of failure on the church's fault. Because God does not fail. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, listen, the harvest is plentiful. It's ready. It's ripe. It's all around us. But the laborers are few. So it wasn't a harvest problem 
It wasn't a God problem. It wasn't a drought problem. I hear this a lot in modern day Christianity. Well, the world is just grown so dark that revival is not possible any longer. I rebuke that attitude in the name of the Lord Jesus. We do not have a drought problem. We have a participation problem. We have a labor force issue. Now, I've heard this verse used many times in reference to starting new churches and calling people to ministry. You know, the, uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. But that's really not at all what Jesus was talking about. Listen, if you think that you have to be a pastor to labor in the harvest field, then you've completely misunderstood the gospel message. If you can't win people in an established church, then you won't win them by yourself. If you need a title before you'll labor in the harvest field, or worse, if you think a title exempts you from working in the harvest field, then you're asleep in the last days. What we need in the last days is for every single member of the church to invest themselves in the harvest field. And I'm telling you, this world won't know what hit it if the church ever got 100% participation rate in the harvest field. We would fill this building up in the blink of an eye if every single one of us got a sickle and got busy in the harvest field. It's not our pastor's job. It's not our bishop's job. It is everybody's job to labor in the harvest field. And God is calling the last day church to get busy in the harvest field. God is working. Look at your neighbor and say, God is working. The question is, are we working? Now, before we can dig deeper into all of that and before we can answer the question, are we ready for revival? We need to understand exactly what revival means. Webster defines revival as the process of reviving somebody, the process of bringing somebody back to life back to consciousness or full strength, the recovering of life, consciousness or full strength, the renewed religious interest in spiritual things or the reawakening of religious fervor. We tend to think of revival as something external that results in growth within the church. We think of revival as something that happens outside of us but true revival happens internally within the church and it spreads from within the church into the surrounding community we won't see our communities in revival until we're in revival i believe this is clearly illustrated by the way that we pray for revival we typically pray and say things like god Change the hearts of sinners. Touch them, Lord. Draw them in and stir them. And we're being sincere, and I think that's a good way to pray. But true revival begins with a change in our own hearts first. If we would be less concerned with others changing 
and more concerned with us changing, we would see apostolic revival in the last days. I wish somebody just shout amen to that. That may not make us run the aisle, but that's good preaching tonight. Revival begins with me, and revival begins with you. We are going to have to make some changes before revival will come. Revival, by definition, is something internal, an awakening, a recovery of consciousness, a recovery of strength, a recovery of vitality, a recovery of interest, a fresh insight, a renewal. It's the renewed exercise of spiritual muscle. Have you ever fallen asleep laying on your arm or your hand? I'm, some of you might look at me funny here. And when you woke up, it was completely numb and you'd lost your feeling. Sometimes we call it, we might say, my arm has fallen asleep. Or uh, sometimes I sleep funny at night and I wake up and my whole leg has fallen asleep. Some of you are nodding your head. Some of you are looking at me like I'm the craziest person that ever walked the face of the planet. But uh, we, that's a common phenomenon that happens to some people. And that's something that happens very similar in the spirit realm, when we fall asleep spiritually and our spiritual gifts lay dormant for too long, our muscles atrophy and our reflexes become slow. We lose our sensitivity and our ability to feel after things in the spirit. They become drastically hindered. And once there was a time where perhaps we could come in to a church service and instantly feel the presence of God. But when you're spiritually sleeping, it's hard for you to enter into the presence of the Lord. One of the ways you can recognize that people have fallen asleep spiritually is when they're waiting on a spiritual cheerleader to shake them out of their slumber. You shouldn't have to wait on a spiritual cheerleader to wake you out of your slumber and cause you to worship. That means you're sleeping. You need to wake up. Come into the presence of God with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. It shouldn't take the pastor preaching just the right message to get you to an altar. But you ought to be awake and alert in the spirit and say I am ready for revival I am ready for an outpouring I am hungry for righteousness I am thirsty for the touch of God you shouldn't have to wait for just the right key change and just the right choir song but, but you ought to go ahead and praise it ought to be as part of your spiritual DNA praise ought to be a part of who you are. It shouldn't have to be pulled out of you. It it shouldn't have to be shaken out of you. It, It shouldn't have to be forced. If it's forced, it's fake. We ought to have genuine apostolic worship. We ought to just go ahead and lift up the name of Jesus on Wednesday night, on Friday night revival, on Sunday morning, even when there's more visitors than saints. Go ahead and praise God like an apostolic tongue talking Holy Ghost filled child of God for we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation praise the Lord praise the Lord hallelujah and so 
the danger of living for God for a long time is that you can reach a place where the fire may not be gone, but it has dwindled down to a small flame. And the danger for the last day church is that we would be content with a small flame rather than a raging inferno of the Holy Ghost. Our pioneers in the apostolic movement refused to settle for a small flicker of fire. They said, we are going to throw gasoline on this one God message. We're going to throw fuel on this apostolic message. And they literally turned the world upside down with revival. I want to challenge my generation of 20-something-year-olds, 30-something-year-olds, 40-something-year-olds. We better get a hold of this thing. We better fall in love with the gospel. And we better not settle for a flicker. We better get ablaze with the Holy Ghost. We better run the aisles like our grandparents did. We better go ahead and shout with a voice of triumph like the elders did. Because if we're not careful, we'll wake up and the fire will be completely gone. Hallelujah. In the Old Testament, revival means to have life. Sustain life or to be restored to life or health. The word picture is a person or military force completely surrounded by the enemy with no way of escape. And in the moment of greatest despair, God rescues completely. How many can relate to that tonight? You see, God can reach into your slumber and he can rescue you from your slumber. You say, Brother Ryan, I don't know how to break out of this complacency that I've slipped into. You know what you ought to do? Cry out to God and he will rescue you. You say, but Brother Ryan, I feel like the enemy's on the right and I feel like he's on the left. Cry out to God and he will give you revival and he will restore you from what the enemy has tried to do in your life. In the New Testament, the best word picture for revival is a Christian waking up out of a deep sleep. God uses this same word over 40 times to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But God also uses this word to speak to a Christian who has fallen asleep in his devotion to the Lord. God wants us to wake up. So in Romans 13 and 11, Paul tells Christians, it is now high time to awake out of sleep. For now, everyone shout now. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believe. I'm going to tell somebody, the trumpet's about to sound and we better wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Don't fall asleep now because things are about to shake up and the church needs to be a vibrant in the last days. Another great New Testament word for revival is the word renewal. We've already mentioned it several times tonight. Revival and renewal are closely connected words in the Bible. They both refer to a renovation, a complete change for the better. 
That's what Paul meant in Romans 12 and 2 when he said, Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word renewing could really be translated revival or renovation. So we could say, don't be conformed to this world, but be revived by the renewing of your thinking. We might say that we need to renovate the way that we think. Have a mental revival. All battles, physical and spiritual, begin and end with the way that we think. So we have to guard against spiritual laziness. And we have to guard against spiritual slumber. And that battle begins in your mind. Some of us need a revival of faith in our heart. Some of us are professing faith with our mouth, but the battle is being lost in our minds. Some of us are professing faith with our mouth, but we're full of fear in our heart and our mind. What we need is a renovation of our thinking. We need a revival in our thinking. Some of you say, I believe that revival is coming, but in your mind you've lost the battle. You need a revival in your thinking, and you need it right now. Because God is about to do something awesome. But you need to have a renovation of your thought life. Mm. Praise God. Hallelujah. Listen to what Jesus said in the parable of the ten wise and ten foolish virgins. He said, while the bridegroom tarried. That's where we are right now as a church. They all slumbered and slept. But when they heard the midnight cry, they awoke. Mm. Apostolic Tabernacle, please consider this sermon your midnight cry. Oh, hallelujah. I know it's Wednesday, and I was... I was praying today. I said, Lord, are you sure you don't want me to preach this on Sunday? He said, no, you need to preach this tonight. We need to wake up out of our slumber and get busy about the Father's business. I wish somebody clap your hands to the Lord and say, I am going to wake up. I am going to be sober. I'm going to be watchful. I'm going to be vigilant. I'm going to be engaged. Hallelujah. We've already established that when it comes to revival, we have a participation problem, not a harvest problem. And so I'm asking us tonight, and I know I'm preaching to a core group. Are you ready to do what it takes to have revival in terms of physical labor? Are we ready To grab a hammer and get to work. Just as Noah was striving to save his family, he understood that there was lots of preparation to be done. He knew if he waited too long, judgment would be poured out and it would be too late. So he labored every day building an ark of safety. I've taught before that in many ways the ark that Noah built is a type 
of the New Testament church. Someone said the church. We've got to build this thing and fill it up before Jesus comes again. Listen to this preacher. I'm not trying to be doom and gloom tonight, but judgment is coming. Only the grace and the mercy of God is holding back judgment from this wicked world. And God is holding it back for a season. And he's doing it on purpose because he's expecting the church to build an ark of safety. And can I tell you, we need to wake up every day and build this thing called the church because it is the institution that God has placed in this world to save much people alive. And I'm going to tell you, we're building it upon the foundation of Jesus Christ himself. We know that he is the cornerstone of this church. We're not building it on personality. We're not building it on wealth. We're not building it on talent but we're building it on the only saving name of Jesus Christ. And when you build on that foundation, I want you to know nothing, nothing can destroy a church that is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And so I'm asking, are we ready for revival? Are we ready to build an ark while everybody laughs? Are we willing to wake up and pick up a hammer and give of our time and our energy and our resources when other people don't understand? When other people say, I don't see any sign of judgment. I, I've never heard of this, this rain thing before. Are you sure that you're not just crazy, Noah? See, you're going to have to endure some of those things if you want to be a part of God's church. And it's going to take tenacity. And it's going to take a spirit that says, Lord, I'm going to do it even when everybody's laughing at me. Listen to this preacher. We've got to get over what people think about us and just have revival. We've got to stop worrying about what the naysayers think and just go ahead and have revival in the last day. You know what I care about? I care about what the word of God has to say. And if we will be busy about the father's business, he'll send the harvest. He'll send the harvest. Noah didn't have to go out and look for the animals. God brought them in. If we will be busy about the father's business, revival won't be difficult. It will happen naturally. Because God is the Lord of the harvest. Look at someone and ask them, are you ready for revival? All right, good. Now ask them, are you ready to be really, really patient and selfless? Go ahead and ask them. Are you ready to be really, really patient and selfless? Because revival means there's going to be lots of spiritual babies. Around here. And probably actual babies as well. Praise the Lord. Babies, whether spiritual babies or physical babies, are a lot of work. And they're a great responsibility. And they also bring great joy. I said they also bring great joy. Are you ready for the spiritual and emotional responsibilities of revival? That's a real question. Many churches commit spiritual abortion 
because they do not want the responsibility of young souls. They're too selfish and impatient to endure the childish years of new babes in Christ. They count the cost of raising and providing for new souls. And they do everything in their power to terminate the birth process, whether consciously or subconsciously. They view new people as an inconvenience and an annoyance. And by the way, I cannot stress how important it is to be patient with babies and teenagers. You can destroy a fragile life with spiritual impatience. They aren't going to be born looking just like me and you. They aren't going to be born understanding everything that you and I understand. They aren't going to get everything right overnight or even maybe in a few months. Sometimes it takes years and years, but patience and love always wins in the end. I wish somebody clap your hands to the Lord. Revival requires patience and love. Patience and love. Somebody shout that. Patience and love. Spiritual impatience will destroy fragile babes in the Lord. And revival requires that we care about people enough to love them when they're difficult, to love them when they don't look like us, to love them when they don't understand everything, to love them when they're going through adolescence, to love them when they're going through the terrible twos, to love them when they're going through the difficult teenage years. You've got to go through all of those things, but just like you would your own children, you've got to cling to them in love and train them up. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. We don't, expect, we don't expect our children, our physical children, to understand everything from the moment they're born. But oftentimes we do that with spiritual babies. We expect them to be birthed, to repent of their sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and, and filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, we think of that's the easy part of salvation. That's the easy part. The difficult part is continuing in your salvation. And we expect oftentimes people to come right out of the womb and just walk as a grown, mature adult in the Lord. It doesn't work that way. It takes people time to grow, and you have to give them room and patience. I wish I'd get an amen in this tonight, because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I feel in the Holy Ghost. We're about to have lots and lots and lots of spiritual babies in the Lord. And it's going to take mature Christians who will take them under their wing. And I'm going to tell you how we're going to get busy in the last days. We're going to teach Bible studies, not just your pastor. God's going to use some of you on these pews tonight to train some people up in the Lord. You're going to get a hold of someone, get them under your wing, and you're going to mentor them in the Lord. And you're going to say, hey, this is how we worship. This is how we live. This is why I don't drink that. This is why I don't do that. This is why I live this way. You know what you're doing? You're training them up in the way that they should go. And it takes the whole family of God working together to raise up children in the Lord and finally as I close 
Are we ready for revival? Abraham and Sarah spent the majority of their life expecting, believing, praying, hoping, desiring a child. And it did not happen. In fact, Abraham caused great turmoil within his family and we still feel the effects of that turmoil today when, when he tried to circumvent God's plan and have a child in a way that was not pleasing to God. It was out of God's plan. You have to be very careful when we try to manufacture and manipulate revival. We cannot manufacture man-made revival. Revival comes from God. He is the giver of the harvest. And so Abraham desired a child of his own so badly that he tried to force it and created all kinds of problems in his family when finally when they were up past their 90s, the angel of the Lord came and said, listen, you're about to have a child. Your, your wife is pregnant and she's going to give birth. And Sarah overheard that conversation and, and she laughed. At the plan of God. All of her life. She had hoped for something. Stand with me. She had prayed for something. She had believed for something. And when the time finally came. Because it didn't happen when she thought it would. How she thought it would. She struggled to have faith. She said I'm not ready. I'm too old now, Lord. How can this be? I feel that's a word for somebody tonight. Because some of us are at a place in our lives where we feel like we're past all of those things. But I want you to know God wants to do something. Even in these latter dark days. Some of us look at the world and we think it's so far gone that revival is a thing of the past. I want you to know that God can pour out His Spirit in unprecedented ways, even in the darkest of times. You know, the darker a room is, the brighter the light illuminates. Have you ever been in a completely dark room before? Just a pitch black room where there's no light at all? Just a little flicker can illuminate that entire room. The world has become so dark that the church is called to shine brighter than it's ever shone.